ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ This is the book لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ About which there is no doubt. There is absolutely no doubt about the Qur'an. What does it mean by that? That there is no doubt about the Qur'an. Three things. Firstly, in the fact that this book has been sent down by who? Allah. There is no doubt about this. This book is definitely from who? Allah. Secondly, that everything in it is the truth. It is factual. And thirdly, in the fact that it has right guidance in it. It's doubt free. The Qur'an is free of doubt. ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِي It is a guidance for who? For those people who have taqwa. So the Qur'an has been sent for what purpose? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send His message? To guide. What is guidance? What is guidance? You see, it is said, أُهْدِيَةِ mar'a. Have you ever been to a wedding? Alright, a wedding, I'm sure you have. What happens at the end of the wedding party? Where does the bride go? Where does she go? Back to her parents' house? No, technically, where does she go? Now she goes and lives with who? With her husband. So she moved from one house to the other. Uhdiyat. Hidaya is to go from point A to point B. Hidaya is what? That you reach your destination. It means that when you reach point B, you're no longer at point A. You understand? There is a shift, there is a change, there is a transformation. So the Qur'an is for guidance. What does that mean? It is here to change people, to improve people. That before, they didn't know. And now they know. Before, they were lost. Now, they're guided. Before, they were confused. Now, they're confident. Before, they were making a lot of mistakes. And now, they're doing things the right way. This is Hidayah. You understand Hidayah? Hidayah is change, transformation. So for example, when you leave your house, you punch in an address, and you're like, this is where I want to go. Let's say you want to go to Krispy Kreme and you don't know the address. So you punch in the address and then it guides you all the way to Krispy Kreme. Once you get there, what does it say? You have reached your destination. Are you still at home? Where are you? At Krispy Kreme. You're no longer at home. This is Hidayah. That you are no longer where you were. You are no longer in the condition that you were in before. There is a change. Alright? So the Qur'an is huda, but it will change who? It will improve who? It will transform who? Al-muttaqeen. The people who have taqwa. What is taqwa? Taqwa is a state. It is a condition. 
It is a state that originates in the heart and it affects a person's tongue, it affects a person's actions, it affects a person's entire life. How so? Taqwa is a state of awareness and alertness. When a person is aware and alert, and so they are careful. They are careful. One of the companions, Umar radiallahu anhu, he asked Ubay radiallahu anhu, that what is taqwa? He asked him, what is taqwa? Ubay radiallahu anhu said, that have you ever taken a thorny path? Have you ever gone on a path that is surrounded by thorns and shrubs? Have you ever been through a forest? I'm asking you the same question. Have you ever walked through such a trail? How do you go on a trail like that? Girls, would you wear a nice long skirt if you go hiking? If you did, what would happen to your beautiful skirt? It will rip. But let's say you're wearing an abaya. Okay? And let's say you do go on a trail for hiking. And let's say it's fall. So everything is dry and pokey. So what will you do with your dress or your abaya? Will you just let it flow around? What will you do? You will gather it together. And as you're taking each step, you will be careful. If I step here, will my clothes get tangled into something? And if I step there, will my clothes get tangled into something? I know some people don't care. Right? So every few days, you know, they have holes in their hijabs and their abayas are ripped or their clothes are ripped and their, their pants have holes. I don't know how you guys do that all the time. But somehow, people manage to rip and tear their clothes all the time. But other people, they're very careful. Some people are very protective about their phones. Don't touch it. Don't put it here. No, I can't put it in my bag. It's going to get scratched. So to protect their phone from scratches, what do they do? They put it in a case that protects the back. And then some people even put a cover on the front. Why? To protect the phone from scratches even. They're careful. So is there a difference between a phone that is protected in a case and a phone that is not protected? Is there a difference? One phone is going to be exactly as it was when it was first purchased. And the other phone is going to be, how? Maybe dented, maybe scratched badly. Isn't it? You're going to see all of that. So which one is going to have more value? Let's say you want to get a new phone now. You've had your phone for like five months and you're bored of it, so you want a new phone. So you try to go and sell your phone and you had kept it in a case. Are you going to get more money for it? What if your phone was covered in scratches? Covered, even dented maybe. Are you going to get the same amount of money? What are you going to get? You'd be lucky if somebody bought it. Isn't it? So is there a difference then between people who guard themselves and people who don't guard themselves? Is there a difference then between people who are careful about what they say and what they look at compared to people who say whatever they want and they look at whatever they want. Is there a difference? There is. 
The one who is protected, who's on guard, has more value. Doesn't he? And the one who's careless, he doesn't have much value. So the Qur'an is a guidance for who? للمتقين. So Ubay radiallahu anhu, he said to Umar radiallahu anhu, have you been through a thorny path? Umar radiallahu anhu said, yes. He said, what did you do? He said, I gathered all my clothes together. And I walked carefully. And he said, that is taqwa. What is taqwa then? To guard yourself, to protect yourself. Now remember I told you, it's a state that originates in the heart, but it affects what? What does it affect? Your tongue, your actions, your thinking, your mind, everything. Many times we watch other people. Oh, he made a mistake. Oh, she made a mistake. We do that sometimes. Especially if somebody's playing a game in front of us. Like, oh, wrong move, wrong move. Or if our brother is trying to do his homework in front of us, we're like, oh, that's not how you write it. Muttaqi is who? The person who is watching who? Himself. Who is muttaqi? A person who is checking themselves. There is a filter. Do I say this? Is it appropriate? Does Allah like it? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Is there any person over here with some allergies? Any allergies? Or do you know a person? You don't have to raise your hand. Do you know any person who has some allergies? Maybe egg or milk or nut or something? Who knows a person? Raise your hand. Everybody knows. Question. Do they eat anything? People who have allergies, do they just eat anything? If they come to your house, and let's say they happen to be allergic to egg, and you serve them cake and cookies, and a pie maybe, will they just eat it? No. What will they do? They will ask you, is there any egg in this? And if you say, oh, I don't know, it's okay, don't worry, not a big deal, enjoy. Like, no, no, I cannot enjoy. I need to know. Like, okay, I didn't make it, I bought it. Do you have the packaging? Yes, I do. Okay, you bring the packaging. What do they do? They read that whole paragraph of ingredients to make sure there's nothing in it that will harm them. This is taqwa. That you're careful about what you're putting in your mouth because you know it could have repercussions. Now you see, there are things that harm us in our worldly life. What harms us in our worldly life? Like in dunya right now, today. So for example, if you eat something that you're allergic to, could that cause a problem? A serious problem. If you go in the cold, in the minus 18, without a jacket, and you go for a walk all the way to Tim Hortons, is that going to cause a problem? It can cause a serious problem. If you have an exam, and you say, oh, I don't think I need to study. Is that going to be a problem? Yes, it will be a problem. If your dad says, do your homework before you watch TV, and you're like, oh, whatever, I'm going to watch TV. Is that going to cause a problem? Are there repercussions that we face for making the wrong decision? For doing wrong things? Have you ever been grounded? Ever? 
Have you ever been given a timeout as a child? Do you remember that? Yeah. Why? Why was that given to you? You did something you weren't supposed to. So when we do something wrong, are there any consequences? Yes. Who is an intelligent person? Who's the smart person? The one who protects themselves. I remember I was in Pakistan once. Okay, I'm from Pakistan. And I went there, you know, after many years, and there was a food stall somewhere. And they had a special Pakistani delicacy, all right? And I really wanted to eat it. So we got there, I'm sitting in the car, and my husband came and he said, I wouldn't touch that thing with a 10-foot pole. I'm like, what? I wouldn't touch that thing with a 10-foot pole. I'm like, what is that supposed to even mean? So anyway, I realized what he was saying. That he wouldn't even go near that food. Why? So I looked, and that whole cart was covered in flies. Covered in flies. Exactly. So we drove all the way to eat that food. But we didn't even touch it with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> and if we did, what would happen? You know what would happen. So, who's the smart person? The one who takes care of themselves. The one who values themselves. The one who doesn't let themselves be exposed to danger. Because if you are not careful, you're being foolish. So a muttaqi is a person who wants to save themselves where? Where? In the hereafter. Write this down. Muttaqi is a person who wants to save themselves in the hereafter. Now, how do you save yourself? How do you protect yourself in the hereafter when you're not even there? You're not even there yet. So how do you make sure you're safe on the day of judgment? You're safe in the hereafter. You be good now. In this life, you do what is going to protect you on the day of judgment. Can you tell me what that is? What am I supposed to do right now so that I'm safe on the day of judgment? Number one, follow Allah's commands. Write that down. Muttaqi is who? The one who wants to save themselves on the day of judgment. How? Number one, they follow Allah's commands. What else do I have to do to make sure I'm safe on that day? I don't end up in hellfire. What do I have to do right now? That I have to stop myself from doing things that Allah has forbidden me from. I have to stay away from the prohibitions. Stay away from sins. So secondly, stay away from sins. Why? Because sins lead to where? Hellfire. So a muttaqi is a person who stays away from sins. What else do I have to do? Yes? So I have to learn about what Allah has commanded so I can do it. And I have to learn about what Allah has forbidden so I can stay away from it. If a mistake does happen, I ask for 
forgiveness. So basically, there's two things here. A muttaqi is who? The one who saves himself from punishment, from harm, from loss on the day of judgment, from failure on the day of judgment. How? Number one, doing what Allah has commanded. And secondly, staying away from what Allah has forbidden from sins. This is a muttaqi. Now, how does a person become a muttaqi? How? The first thing is, الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ Those who believe in the unseen. Those who believe in the unseen. What does the unseen include? Exactly. They believe in Allah even though they haven't seen Him. They believe in the Day of Judgment, in Paradise, in the angels, even though they haven't seen. الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ Those who believe in the unseen. The Prophet wasallam said, and this hadith is in your binder, that a slave of Allah shall not believe until he believes in four things. Firstly, the testimony of La ilaha illallah, and that I am the messenger of Allah, that Muhammad wasallam is a messenger of Allah, whom he sent with the truth, and he believes in death. And he believes in resurrection after death. And he believes in divine decree. And these matters are what? Of the unseen. Now, we had this question last time also. Many people think, well, how can you believe in something if you can't even see it? I can only believe if I can see it. How and why should we believe in the unseen? Why should we believe in the Day of Judgment even though it's not here yet? Why should we believe in the angels even though we don't see them? Why should we believe in the unseen? Some people think that, you know, just when it comes to faith, you don't question. When it comes to faith, you don't question. You just have blind faith. But that's not really convincing. The thing is, we as human beings cannot perceive everything. I want you to write this down. We as human beings cannot perceive everything. We cannot see everything. We cannot hear everything. Do you know? Little children or babies can hear sounds that adults cannot. Animals can hear sounds that people Cannot. Isn't it? Cats. Each creature has a different hearing range, isn't it? So what cats can hear, we don't hear. What dogs hear, we don't hear. But do those sounds exist? Do they? Yes, they do. Now just because we cannot hear it, doesn't mean it's not there? Is it? It's there, even though we cannot hear it. We cannot see it. You understand? So we as human beings cannot perceive everything. Our perception is limited. And you know what? At times our perception can also be faulty. People see things but they don't actually recognize them. Or they see things a certain way when in reality they're not that way. There are certain disabilities or problems with perception that people have. And this is a reality. So this is the first thing. We as human beings cannot perceive, cannot see, cannot hear everything. Right? Our perception can be faulty also. Secondly, 
there are so many things out there in the known world that are still unknown to us. I was watching this video, this scientist, he was giving a presentation, it's a TED talk, and he was talking about how once he had to give a lecture to grade 7 and 8 kids. Okay? And one of the kids asked a question, where should we explore? And he said, we think, people generally think, that we have explored everything that's out there. We know everything that's out there. We've gone to the space. We have microscopes. We have MRIs. We have different ways of looking into things, you know, hearing sounds. We think we have explored everything. And then he gave an example of how much is out there that we don't even know about. And he was talking about a term that he's come up with, biological dark matter. Okay? Biological dark matter. This is a little scientific. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. But he said that so much of it is just dark to us. We don't even know about it. We haven't even understood it. We haven't even recognized it. We know it's there, but what is it? We've got no idea. And who's saying this? A scientist, a researcher, an expert. He's saying this. We don't even know. It's dark to us. So why should we believe in the unseen? Because we must. We have to. If we don't believe in the unseen, our life would not make sense. Because once a person dies, what happens to them? Where do they go? We can't see. We don't hear, but something's going on. What is that? We don't have access to it, but Allah, the Creator, has informed us. So, الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ They believe in the unseen. This is the foundation, the basis of our faith. Because we cannot know everything. We need someone else to tell us. You understand my point? Just as if you're sick, Do you know what exactly is going on with your body? No. You need someone else to tell you. You go to the doctor. Can the doctor figure it out? No. He says, go for this test. So they go and take your blood out. And they get one sample and another sample. And they send it to the labs. One test after the other. And they say, sorry, we can't figure anything out. There are people like that also. You cannot figure everything out yourself. Can you? No. And as human beings, all of us together cannot figure everything out ourselves. We need someone to tell us where we came from, where we are going, what's going on here. And who's going to tell us that? The one who made us. So, الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ وَيُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ And they establish the salah. This is the second part of taqwa. The first part of taqwa is the right belief. The second part of taqwa is the right actions. And first and foremost in those actions is prayer. Remember last time I told you, it doesn't say they do the salah. What does it say? They establish the salah. What does it mean by establishing the salah? Establishing the salah. It means that you perfectly establish 
the outer and the inner aspect of prayer. Write this down. The outer and the inner aspect of prayer. What is the outer part of prayer? Okay, the actions. So, iqamatu salah Establishing the prayer would mean that when it comes to the actions of prayer, I do them properly. So if I were to start my prayer, and I do, Allah Akbar, like this. Is this iqamatu salah? Is it iqamatu salah that I'm standing and I'm looking? Is that iqamatu salah? No. Is it iqamatu salah that I am standing in prayer and I don't even have wudu? Is that iqamatu salah? No. Is it iqamatu salah that I am standing in prayer but I'm not even facing the qibla? Is it? Would it be iqamatu salah that I am praying but instead of praying four raka'ah, on purpose I pray only three? On purpose. Would that be iqamatu salah? Uh-uh. Iqamatu salah firstly is what? Perfectly establishing the outer aspect of prayer. Which means that we must fulfill the prerequisites. What are the prerequisites of prayer? Face the qibla, have wudu, okay? And also perform it properly. Performing all the pillars, all the aspects of prayer. Secondly, iqamatu salah means that we also perfectly perform the inner aspect of prayer. What is the inner aspect of prayer? Khushur. What is khushur? What is khushur in prayer? That you're humble before Allah. You're showing that, yes, I am your servant, Ya Rabb. So if we have khushur, what does that mean? Should we be thinking about some random thing that's going on in our lives? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. And then we're thinking about what happened in the movie last night. Would that be khushur? The inner aspect of prayer also. What else is part of the inner aspect of prayer? That whatever we are reading, whatever we are saying, we pay attention to that. So when we're doing sajda, our forehead is on the ground, the inner aspect of prayer would be what? That we also feel humble before Allah. We also feel needy before Allah. So yuqimuna salah. They establish the prayer. Notice how the first act of worship that's mentioned is which one? Prayer. Even before charity. Why prayer? Because out of all the acts of worship, which one is the most important? It's the prayer. One of the first questions that we will be asked about on the Day of Judgment will be which one? About our prayer. When is it that we must start praying? At what age? Seven. That's when we start praying. And by ten, we should be in the habit of praying all five prayers. Which means Fajr as well? What about Zuhr? But what if you're at school? Then what? Okay, if you go to an Islamic school, yes, they pray over there. But what if you don't? What do you do there? Pray when you come back. But what if by the time you come back, it's Maghrib? Because you have to pray at the right time. Yes? 
you could ask your teacher, your principal, if you can pray. Has anybody done that? MashaAllah. Excellent. So many of you have done that. So what happens when you go to the principal and ask if you can pray? They said okay, and they let him pray. MashaAllah. You see, every command that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the Muslims, He sent to the Prophet wasallam. He sent it down through Jibreel. The angel Jibreel will come to the Prophet wasallam and tell him that this is what your Lord has said. But when it comes to prayer, the Prophet ﷺ was called up in the heavens. And then he was given that command. He was called and he was given that command. And how many prayers was he told to perform? How many? Fifty. And Prophet Musa ﷺ said, there is no way your people will perform fifty prayers. And then it was reduced to how much? Finally, after several trips, how many? Five. From fifty to five. But if you think about it, if we performed fifty prayers in one day, in one day, fifty prayers, would we be able to do anything else? No. We wouldn't be able to. But if we did pray fifty prayers all day long and did nothing else, Would that be okay? Yes, it would be okay. You know why? Because Allah made us for what reason? To worship Him. So if we were so busy worshiping Him, so much so that we got no time to watch a two hour long movie, and we got no time to read a book or to finish an assignment, would that be okay? Yes, it would be okay. What does this mean? Prayer is the most important thing in your life. What is salah? Write this down. The most important work in my life is salah. What do we think is important? If I were to ask you, what is important? What is it that you must do this week? What would you say? Homework, assignment, test, Super Bowl, Sunday. That is important. We know it from before. It's coming. And something else is also coming. And we have made plans for it. And if we miss the Super Bowl, what would happen? What if we missed it? What would happen? Nothing would happen. This sister, she was getting married. And her wedding dress was supposed to be ready for her wedding day. But something happened and her wedding dress was not ready for the wedding day. So she had to wear a friend's or a cousin's or somebody else's wedding dress on her wedding day. And you know what she said? I didn't die. I didn't die. We think so many things are important in our lives. And we plan for them and we worry about them and we discuss them and we you know make sure that we have our rides arranged and everything is set so that we can get it done but really if it doesn't happen we would survive but if a person does not pray are they in danger yes. 
Because muttaqeen, those who save themselves, are who? Those who pray. So if a person is not praying, leaving their prayer, again and again and again, just leaving it, are they in danger? In serious danger. So the muttaqeen are who? الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ وَيُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ Yunfiqun. The third thing, they spend out of what we have given them. What do they spend? Out of the provision that Allah has given them. What is the provision that Allah has given us? Anything that we enjoy, that we use, that we benefit from. I want you to notice something here. Mimarazaknahum. From what we have provided them. What this means is they give some of what they have to others. Not all, but some. So whatever they have, they don't just keep it for themselves. Whatever they have, they don't use it all up themselves. They also think about who? They also think about others. This is a muttaqi. So a muttaqi is who? The one who's saving himself is who? The one who cares about others. The one who will be safe in the hereafter is who? He cares about others. I mentioned to you earlier that on the day of judgment, the sun will be very close. Some people will be given shade under the throne of Allah. Some people will be given shade by what? The clouds. And what are those clouds? Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Ali Imran. And we also learn that a person will be under the shade of his charity on the Day of Judgment. If you give something away today, you give some charity. Let's say it's Eid. Do you get money on Eid? Do you get money on your birthday? No? Do you ever get money? <laughs> Moms, aunties, please give money. Anyway. Anyway. So when you get money, let's say you have a hundred dollars. And with those hundred dollars, you could go to Best Buy and buy maybe, how many games? One or two? Exactly. They're really expensive, right? So one or two. Or maybe you could go to some jewelry shop and buy some fancy jewelry stuff. Okay? Maybe. So let's say you went and you spent all that hundred dollars on buying your games or your jewelry or whatever fashion items you wanted. Let's say. You come home, you play that game, and you play it once, twice, three weeks in a row. What happens after three weeks? Do you get bored of it? Oh yeah. Bored of it. Or it breaks or something happens. You're not interested in it anymore. So after three months, that hundred dollars, what value does it have in front of you? Nothing. Because you're bored of that game. You don't want to see it anymore. You want a new one now. So the benefit of those hundred dollars was very little. Now, if you decided to give twenty dollars, five dollars in charity, can you give me an example of some charity? Where can you give five dollars of charity? Give me an example of sadaqah. How can you give it? Okay, Islamic relief. What else? Yes? Okay, masjid. I know of an auntie, whenever she goes to any masjid, and I've been to many masjids with her, every time she goes to a masjid, she puts some sadaqah in the box. You know why? She says, 
I used the masjid. I came here, I used the bathroom, I did wudu, I came inside, the lights were on, the heat was on, or the air conditioning was on, so that I could pray comfortably. I used it. I have to give back. So if you gave some money like this, then those five dollars, that little bit of money that you gave, it will help you on the day of judgment. How? It will come as a shade for you. It will shield you. Muttaqi is who? The one who tries to protect himself. So he gives his money today so that he is safe when? On the day of judgment. But is it just money that we can give? What else can we give? Everything that we have, we can give of it. What are the blessings that Allah has given you? Okay, food. Tell me about food that you enjoy. Food like, I don't mean like food as in rice and pasta and things that your mom tells you to eat because that's the only option you have for dinner. Tell me about some food that you are looking forward to eat. You got five dollars, you went and you got a packet of Doritos and maybe a juice box and you're munching on those Doritos and your sister staring at you. My five dollars, my allowance, my money. Don't look at me. Don't be greedy. مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ You give of what you have. You don't have to give the whole packet away. You can give one chip. Can we? مُتَّقِي is who? The one who cares about others. When you care about other people, Allah will protect you. Remember this rule. Write this down. When you help others, Allah will help you. When you care about others, Allah will care about you. When you spend on others, Allah will give you. So is it just chips that you can give now? What else can you give? What if you're playing on your phone? Or your mom's phone or your dad's phone or whoever's phone? And you're playing Subway Surf. Oh my. Let's say you're playing Subway Surf and your little sister's like, Can I have a turn? Can I have a turn? Not once, not twice, five times. Can I have a turn? So then what should you do when you crash into that train for the fifth time? مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ Can you share that game with somebody else so that they also get a chance? Can we care about others? Yeah? مُتَّقِي is who? Not selfish. مُتَّقِي is who? Someone who's not just concerned about today. They're concerned about tomorrow. مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ What else has Allah given us? Okay, knowledge. You know something and somebody else does not know it. Spelling of a word. How to cook something. How to fix something. How to make something. How to download an app. How to use a shortcut on Microsoft Word. You know those skills. You're good at them. And you get your work done so quickly. And your mom asks you, Can you help me? What's that app you have? What is it called? How do you get it on the phone? Can you help me send a message? You're like, Mom, you don't even know how to send a message. Why do you have a phone? No, don't say such things. 
مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ You know how to download that app in an instant. You have that knowledge. Can you spend from that knowledge? Can you? How can we spend from that knowledge? By using that knowledge to benefit other people. You know how to drive. You just got your G license. You are a pro at driving on highways. And your younger sister just got her G2. And she's learning. She's practicing. So over there, should we be boasting? I don't know when you're going to learn. But you know, it's just so easy. You know. مِمَّا رَزَقَنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ How about you drive? I'll help you. I'll help you practice. مِمَّا رَزَقَنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ Giving our time also. So muttaqi is who? Firm faith, right actions, caring. مِمَّا رَزَقَنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ